What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. A Dear Media original podcast. Hi, welcome to Good Instincts. I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. Join me every Thursday for the same thoughtful support to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. This should feel good. Like, really good. And it will. I promise. Today, I'm very excited because I have someone very important to me, but is also just like very talented. It's Michael Wexler. He's an amazing chef. He has had a bunch of restaurants, but his big thing right now is that he has an amazing company called Pasture Project. I've talked about it a bunch. It's basically like it's pre-marinated. You put it on a baking dish, you preheat your oven and you pop it in. So I think he's amazing. I'm excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So when I think about you, because obviously we've spent a lot of time together with our kids. And you, and you think about me all the time. I so. think about you all the time. <laughs> but here's the thing. I've been over with my son. We've had meals together. And the thing about it is you make food that kids really like. And I, when I think about you and I think about the kind of eaters your kids are, obviously it helps having like a literal classically trained chef. Right. But like, what do you think contributes to that? So look, I think first of all, it, it wasn't, it wasn't by accident for us and our family. Like we, we definitely thought about this. I talked about it with my wife and there was a very simple mentality and approach that we still follow today. And it was this idea. I, I didn't like read this anywhere, it just sort of occurred to me of uh, a baby or a, or a kid is a blank palette, right? Like nothing is weird to them, special to them, foreign to them. And at the same time, it's all weird. It's all special. It's all foreign. And if you can start from that place and accept that, that any of your notions that you have about food are, are just that, and you're putting it on the food and putting it on your kid and just get rid of all of that, there's no reason that they shouldn't like various different things, right? And so I tried to really introduce my kids to a lot of flavors, a lot of textures, a lot of everything right off the bat. And I had this one simple rule and still do to this day of you can not like something, but I'm going to keep putting it in front of you anyhow, mm, right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm going to do it like every time, but here and there, I'm just going to keep sprinkling it in. And maybe they'll come around, maybe they won't, but I want to keep it just, you know, in their, in their frame of reference so it's there. And at least I think, I could be wrong, but I think eventually 
they come around on it or, or maybe they don't, right? But I, I think that so many parents get stuck in this thing, especially at a certain age. You know, maybe, I, I think it's probably around like a year and a half, two years. Where yeah. They go, oh, they're not eating this. They're not eating that. And so, okay, fine. Let's just give them pizza or let's just give them the chicken nuggets. And then you get stuck in that whole routine. And there's this idea of like, oh, they're going to starve if they don't eat something, right? They're not going to starve. Their, their yeah. body's going to tell them yeah. at some point, yeah. like, I got to eat something. I'm hungry, right? Yeah. And so that's why I'm just a big believer, like, keep putting the vegetables in front of them. Keep putting the, the fruits and the whole grains and all that kind of stuff. Don't get stuck into the pizza trap because, of course, they're going to become invested in just that thing. And then you have that kid where, like, they eat pasta and they eat chicken fingers and that's it. Yeah. Right? So it's just really continuing to show them the breath of food, and they'll be into it. So, you know, what's really funny about that is that intuitively you landed on the thing that in grad school for nutrition, like that's the thing that they recommend that you give so many exposures that I think a lot of people make that mistake of like feeding it a couple times. They don't want it and being like, oh, they don't like X. Right. Right. But they say like almost like 15 to 20 exposures. Sometimes it takes. It takes a lot. It's not. That's the thing is like, it, my my daughter for the longest time has had this thing of root vegetables were just never her thing, right? Mm. We'd put like sweet potatoes or butternut or whatever in front of her. And she's like, no, 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 no. And still to this day, and I'm telling you, she's <laughs> like, she's five and a half now. And I continue to put these things yeah. on her plate and sprinkle them in. And again, like maybe she'll come around at some point. Maybe she won't, right? I, I also think that kids being engaged in how food comes to their plate mm. is huge, right? Like they, my kids, they know farms. They love being on farms, mm. then farmers markets. Like they just from a young age, they're, they're both of them. Their first meal was at the farmer's market, having avocado, Hollywood farmer's market, yeah. right? They both literally had their first bite of food there. And we, we try to take them to farms as much as they have. I'm lucky. I have a lot of, you know, friends who are, who are in that space, but there's lots of farms that will open their door to anybody and to the mm. public getting them engaged and like, not just going, but, oh, look, those are carrots over there. Go pull one out of the ground mm. and try it. And yeah, well, there's a little bit of dirt on it. It's fine. Nobody's going to die from some dirt, <laughs> right? Like, and just getting them engaged in that process of seeing it, feeling it, touching it, I think is huge in also getting them to eat well. I love that so much. And again, intuitively, you like truly landed on the thing. Like, I know this just literally came from within you. But the other thing that you mentioned, especially about the root vegetables, is that my whole thing is you have to tolerate it being on your plate. Like, yep. you don't even have to have it, but it's going to be there. Yeah. Because I think that just in life and in general, like, there's this thing that you can do where we're kind of breeding picky eaters where it's like, oh, well, they can't have it even in the air. It's like, yeah, you can. It's, it's going to sit there. Yeah. You don't have to even... Do you want anything we we even it? used to do this thing when when our kids first started eating for we kept just going for the first year or two, where you know there's this thing around sweets and yeah. dessert of being special and yeah. or somebody who come you know the grandmother always comes like if you want some ice cream at yeah. the end you know with that crazy voice I'm yeah. like why do say that about the carrot yeah. you know what I mean like hey do you want the carrot uh, yeah like let's get them into that right so we had this thing of. If we're doing dessert, we're going to put it on the same plate Love with the that. meal so that it's there at the same time and doesn't seem like it's being elevated to this special status of, Love. okay, you ate, so now you get the sweet thing, right? And, you know, we also, we did that thing of like, 
it was it, it was just about fruits for a long time before we got into like actual sugar type things. Yeah. And I, I didn't want my kids to like have the taste for the super sweet right off the bat. Yeah. But I think that's a, a really good one of putting dessert on the plate at the start. And you, what was really interesting is you're like my kids didn't go to it right away. Mm. They would eat other stuff. Maybe they'd go to that. They'd come back. So it wasn't this like forbidden special kind of thing. I love that so much. I think that that's so important. And I I do that too. And it is that kind of thing where it's like, if you put it on this pedestal and they know early to be like, oh, well, that's the thing that I'm looking for. But they don't know that right. just off the bat. Yeah, it's, like we it's teach learned them behavior. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other thing about it with you, though, which I think is really special, and I don't want to, I feel triggered sometimes on the internet when like moms are doing their like little cutouts for the lunch and it's so yeah, over the top yeah. and it's like, okay, but- it's, it's insane. It's insane. And like, we're just trying to get our stuff out and the whole thing. But I will say that you in a, in a not- fussy way, but in a kind of special, I almost feel like Japanese way, maybe mm -hmm. you do play like I do see the way and I know that you've you've we've been I, lucky. I like always a compliment to a chef if you tell them they have a Japanese aesthetic. You have a so Japanese aesthetic. No, I know just we've been lucky enough to like my son has been lucky enough to have food plated by you. And it is even with the kids like plated in a way that is I don't know, a little special, but not in an over-the-top way. Is that intentional or you just can't help it? I think it's a mix, right? Like, first of all, I fully agree with you, okay? This thing, like, Shauna bought some of those cutout things yeah. recently, and I was like, whoa, what are you, what are you <laughs> doing with this? We're not, we're not becoming like the cutout family, yeah. okay? It's too, it's too much. And, and then, of course, she's like, wait, how do you even use this? Yeah. And I said, see, the knife works way better. So it, there's a lot going on with that of like, hey, everything, it's got to be wrapped and the colors and the layers and look this certain way. It's it's insanity, okay? I'm a big believer in my food, whether I'm cooking high-end restaurant or something simple at home, I always want ingredients to stand out for there to be a simplicity to the food and there's a beauty in the simplicity, right? So mm -hmm. even, yeah, on my kids' plates, I try to arrange things in a way that it's simple, it's straightforward, but things should still look purposeful. They should mm. look like they're kind of just beautifully put there in the way that they're put there, mm. right? It's there's, and I guess you're right. There is a sort of Japanese aesthetic to that. I, I always think of it, like I used to explain this to my cooks when you're plating a salad, right? Yeah. It's very easy with a salad to just, hey, mix it up and, and put a dump in. And I always thought a salad should look like everything just, perfectly fell in from the sky and just landed there just so, yeah. right? But there's a certain art to making it look that way without being one of those guys who's like, I'm going to literally place every single piece of lettuce here at just the right angle and just the right, like, that's too manipulated. Yeah, we're right? like so, a tweezer. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I don't, I, my, my tweezers all went in the garbage a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. I'm not a tweezer guy. So simple but purposeful, I think, is is the answer. I love that. Today's episode is brought to us by Caraway. Honestly, it's cool that they wanted to do an ad with us, but I would have talked on end about this company anyways. It is truly phenomenal. I recently got the Tupperware. And here's the thing. It is like very special Tupperware. And I'm going to say this. It has made me so much more excited about food prep. Again, if you listen to the show, you know that like meal prep isn't my total thing, but it's all about meal assembly, having, you know, some proteins, 
having some vegetables, having some cut vegetables, like ready to go to make your life so much easier, but also breaking down the act into small doable things. So if I'm in the morning and I'm making my son breakfast and I have dirty cutting boards, I'm like, should I just chop up an onion right now? Or should I chop up some veggies right now? Or could I saute something really quickly? Or could I roast something while I'm getting everyone ready? And it's really, really changed the game. And okay, it is gorgeous. I'm not going to lie. Like, And I know maybe you're like, is Tupperware gorgeous? It actually is. The aesthetic is insane. But the most important part is that it is completely non-toxic. And that is not the case for all Tupperware. It is also something that you can cook in. Like you can bake in that and have that already ready to go. Like you could bake it and then literally close it and pop it in the fridge. It's genuinely changed my life. And I'm not being dramatic about that. I'm honestly the biggest fan, if you can't already tell, visit carawayhome.com and use the code GOOD for 10% off. And don't forget, their once a year saving event starts November 1st. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. I think there's something really beautiful about that. And it really translates to everything I do as well in terms of, you know, listen, we all know we're all busy. You and I are parents. Like, it's hard. You got to get food on the table. Everything has to get done relatively quickly. But I do think that there is this really important thing that we miss, which you probably don't, of like as adults too, like not putting our food on a plate and like eating hurriedly over the sink and kind of out of a container. And yes, there's a time and place for that, but it takes like literally two minutes to put it on a plate and sit down. And there's actually all this research on how literally the simple act of doing that helps you pay attention to what you're eating and actually feel more satisfied by that because it registers. Yeah. It's funny because I was definitely guilty of this thing for, you know, I don't know, the first couple of years of cooking for my kids where I would like I'd be picking off their plate yeah. while they're eating it. Right. Yeah. And then when I'm going to take the plates back to the sink, I'm like, oh, this is less yeah. like, let me have a bite of this. A yeah. bite of that. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on here? Right <laughs> now, right? Like this is not a this is not a meal on the way to the sink to clean the plate. Yeah. You know? And I think there's something it's actually two sided. Right. Like it is very good for you as the adult, of course, to slow down, have a real meal, like take a minute out and enjoy yourself. But I'm also a huge believer in this for just family goodness mm. and and coming together, like being able to take those times to share a meal with your kids and engage with them at the same time while you guys are eating together, I yeah. think can be a super powerful 10 minutes, right? Yeah. That, but that really cr- helps not just to create a bond, but I think a slowness in them too. Right. Mm. Because there's, we're so, everything is so fast, so moving and so going now. And meals are a great time to be like, we're not multitasking right now. We're not doing this and that. We're sitting down, we're eating. That's what we're doing. I love it so much. And the thing about it, and for anyone listening, is that you can hear it in your voice. And I believe it anyways, but this really is authentically you. And this is something that you really do believe in and that you really, both of you guys, you and Sean have big jobs and you're busy and you do make a point to sit down and eat dinner. And with that, I think that it is so, it makes complete sense that you've pivoted into the pasture project piece, which again, I'm like truly the biggest fan of. I will shout it off the rooftops, literally won't shut up about it. But the reason why is- You you can keep going with that Yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. But the thing about it is like, okay, I think it feels really beautiful to do that. And to me, chicken is a 
love language. Like if you're making chicken for someone, I love you. And it feels like that. But I think that the act of actually like marinating it and having it. And like we were talking about earlier, like cutting it. And I want you to go into that. So I think that this idea of helping people take a shortcut. And so tell us a little bit about like, I know people for however long have been asking you that and really specific things that you kind of thought were so simplistic. And you were like, wait, I think there's actually a gap here that I could fill. Yeah. And and you, you hit right on. It's very much what Pasture Project grew out of. So we we started we started thinking about it with my partner Debbie Rocker. She is she provides all of the best meat to all of the top chefs in the city. And she's the person who probably 15 years ago or so now changed my mindset and opened my mind to she was like you're asking the wrong questions about your meat, right? Mm. It's not about, you know, is it prime? Is it choice? How much marbling? What's the cut? Whatever. You need to be asking, where is it from? What's the breed of animal? How is it raised? What did it eat? How was it treated? What does the farmer or the rancher do mm. that's special here? And we developed this relationship over that over, over many years and went to a lot of farms and ranches. And I started to dig so deep into that. And, you know, there's a great opportunity for that in the restaurant space and to tell people the story. But most people at a restaurant because they want to have a good time. They want to enjoy. Like, they don't necessarily want to hear your entire spiel at the table, yeah. right? And I always thought, I was like, if we can do this in people's homes, we can really affect this conversation. Because you actually tend to be much more conscious in your grocery shopping mm -hmm. than you are sometimes in ordering from a menu, yeah. right? And you're looking at it, you're reading ingredients, and you're saying like, oh, this says organic, or this says pasture-raised, or it says regenerative. What does that mean? What's that all about? And then my wife actually is the one who kind of helped me understand this side of it. She's like, this is so great for moms because mm -hmm. we we want something that's that's easy, that's quick, but still really great. And you feel like you did. Like moms, you're right. So many moms are working moms now and they've got high powered jobs. They're doing their thing. They're busy. They don't have a lot of time for this stuff. Yeah. And I really wanted to, I saw this space where like, look, you can buy the the already cooked dry rotisserie chicken. Fine. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's not great, but fine. Right. And then you can get a raw chicken or maybe you get butcher box or whatever it is. And a lot of people get it home. And they're like, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. Right? Like this is a lot of work. I don't know how to cook it. I don't know how to season it. And there was this middle space of, I want people cooking, right? Yeah. But I need to take out all of the guesswork for them, all of the hard work, the, the, you know, things people have like, oh, I don't want to touch a chicken. It's yeah, kind of yeah. gross, whatever. Like, let's take as much of that out of the picture as we can. And, yeah. you know, we call it, we're, we're making you the chef, right? Yeah. So we came up with these fantastic marinades, seasonings. And then I said, okay, yeah, we have it seasoned now. We have it marinated, but people still need to know how to do this, you know? And, and I went through so many iterations of the directions and do we want to pan roast it? Do we want to grill it? And I said, you know what? need to keep that ethos of keeping this as simple and easy as possible. I want people turning on their oven, Dream. putting this on a baking sheet, popping it in the oven, setting a timer, and they're done. Thank right? you. And and then, you know, so we do we do whole spatchcock chickens mm -hmm. in three different marinades. That's a, a butterfly chicken, basically. So it cooks quicker, it crisps up really nice. And then we do boneless, skinless breasts that are also in three different marinades. And the, the idea behind it, like the spatchcock, particularly. So now you've cooked this chicken. Okay. How do I cut this? I mean, yeah. And so many people have this when they roast a the chicken. They're like, 
well, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. It's scary to figure out how to cut it. So I was like, I need to have like an actual line drawing and a diagram that I shows that. cut here, then yeah. cut here, then cut here. Again, to make it just foolproof and and as easy as possible. And so that's really, that's Pasture Project in a nutshell. It's meant to fill that space. And, you know, we also start from a place that's really special. We have this pasture-raised heirloom breed chicken. Will you explain what that is? What yeah. is pasture-raised? Yeah, so for sure. So pasture-raised in it in its simplest yeah. form is exactly that, right? It means that these animals are, spend their time out on pasture, mm-hmm. on on grass and leaves and trees around and pecking around, you know, looking for for grubs and little things to eat and all that kind of stuff. Like most most chicken, industrial raised chicken, they spend their entire life in a hen house. They don't ever leave. They don't see the sunlight. They don't get outside. Then you get this, you know, supposed free range chicken thing, which literally just means somebody's cut a little door into that hen house. And should one of these chickens decide it wants to go outside, it could go outside, but they don't really want to go outside. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons actually they don't want to go outside is we've got this industrialized breed, right? Like 99% of chickens raised in America are one of two industrialized breeds. And that breed has been bred over years to sit in one place, have big breasts for white meat and, and smaller legs, not a whole lot of flavor, and they don't they don't really want to move, right? So mm-hmm. though even when you put those words on pasture, they don't really want to go outside. Heirloom chickens, on the other hand, which are based on the original breeds of chicken, and they they cross those together to get the best characteristics, they want to go outside. They want to exhibit their mm-hmm. natural behavior. They want to be hunting and pecking and, and scratching and doing all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So by their own genetics and the nature of that breed, makes them want to basically live really well. And we also use, it's a regenerative farm, which means that essentially we're working together with nature to be sort of in this loop where the animals are feeding the land, the land Mm. is feeding the animals, it's all feeding us, and they're they're taking carbon out of the air by, by this farming technique. And it's just so much better for the earth for the animals and for us. Wow. I'm so glad that you explained it that way because I've obviously like known bits and pieces of this, but I think it's really helpful. And I think something we talk about a ton on the show and just in general is it's just helpful to have that information. Like you can make decisions for your house that are different when you go out. Like I know that all the oils at all the places I'm going to are not all the chicken in the place that I'm going to. And you have to kind of like enjoy your life and live your life. At least that's how I feel. Like I'm not going to live in a bubble, but I do think that to get to make really thoughtful, conscious decisions about what comes in your house and what you're feeding your family is really important. So it just feels nice to have that be a decision you get to make rather than just like, you know, yeah, I, I think also like being able to actually walk the walk is important. Like, you know, there's so many confusing terms out there. There's so much greenwashing out there now, yeah. right? Where you look at a package. I mean, how many packages pick up, pick up the eggs or pick up the, the bread or whatever. And there's always some like pastoral image of yeah. this idyllic farm. You're like, yeah. oh, that farm looks so great. That's where I want my <laughs> eggs from. Yeah. Like, yeah, that farm doesn't exist, right? And, so, you know, some certain brands, yeah, sure it does. Yeah. But a lot of them, like, this isn't real. And it's, we're like, we want to be so transparent about what we're doing and and make it so real 
of what I'm telling you and what this story is and the things that I'm saying on the package. I'm not just saying them to, to market something like, because this is the food that I want to put in front of my family also. Right. And, And I want you to be able to have the same food in front of your family. And, and, but I don't want you to feel like you have to do the crazy yeah. amounts of research and insanity that I've done to get there. I want to, make, again, make it easy for everybody. I think it's really important. I think it's really helpful. And I feel like people are going to really appreciate that because it is the thing where it's almost like on your to-do list to be like, I should learn about that. Right. <laughs> but then how do you, do you have any tips for egg? Like, what are the things that's bullshit with the eggs and what what's a thing to look for? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So eggs are another one, right? Like pasture-raised. You have, let, let's say there's a couple categories in eggs now, okay? Yeah. So you have sort of your just standard industrial eggs, you know, that come in like that yellow styrofoamy thing, egglins or whatever. Like, yeah. those are just industrial eggs, okay? Yeah. If that, and they're, and they're cheap and they're utilitarian, fine, okay? You're not getting like, I, I, I'm not the one who likes to be like, that's shit and don't use it yeah. and whatever. I, I don't like that kind of stuff. For some people, it's like, hey, this is what works. This is what's in my budget. That's what I can afford. Right. Yeah. That's that's fine. And nobody should be shamed around that. Right. So at least it's like a real food. It's not powdered egg and some weird thing that who knows what chemicals are in there. Okay. So then when you, you from there, you get to, I think, like the free range category, right? Which again, free range, terrible term. Don't buy into it ever. Mm. It means basically nothing. It, it really like the USDA definition of free range is a few short words. It mean it quote is access to the outdoors. Wow. So what is access? Yeah. It's literally like I've been in some of these places. There's a tiny little door. And again, Mm -hmm. if they wanted to go out, they could go out. They don't really want to go out. Right. So don't think of free range as being out there. Pasture raised they're actually on the pasture, right? And there's USDA guidelines for that of how much pasture needs to be available to how many chickens, like how many square feet does it need to be? And they got to actually be out there and spend time out there. It's not just access. So, you know, I, I like to, there's a bunch of these pasture raised, you know, like Vital Farms, yeah. that kind of stuff. I love. Oh, great. I think they're a great brand. That's really helpful uh, to know. Also, you know, obviously like eggs, you can get at the farmer's market and whatever, but they're expensive. So yeah, that's kind of my, my deal on eggs. I think that's really helpful. Like I really needed that information also. The other thing about it. Okay. So here's my question. So my understanding is like you go to the farmer's market sometimes and they haven't necessarily like paid to have the whole organic thing, but yeah. they are like, is it better to, if you can go to the farmer's market and get kind of what they have there, even if it isn't certified or whatever is certification bullshit? Like, I don't think it's bullshit, but he, here's my number one thing. Okay. Me. Is like have conversations with these people. Mm. That's what's most important. I, I can, somebody can put a million labels on yeah. their package. Right. And some of them like might not be exactly what they're saying as I'm, you know, kind mm. of demonstrated just now, but you know, organics one, by the way, like organic is a term that I think has come to mean to people like some catch all thing of, of everything. Right. But what organic means, especially in the, in the meat world is just this animal ate organic feed. Okay. Mm. That's, it kind of stops there. It doesn't get into, but how did the animal live? Like how much space did it get? Was yeah. it outside? Did it see the sun ever? 
you know, how was it treated? What was yeah. its breed? N none of that has anything to do with organic, yeah. right? So it's it's such a bigger conversation. So like I do this all the time at the farmer's market where you'll see the, the ones who have the organic certification, yeah. like they're going to say it. It's yeah, going to be yeah. big there on their banner, yeah. you know, and then you get the, we grow what we sell or we sell, or we grow whatever it is. And I like to just have conversations with these people. I'll say to them sometimes, hey, are you guys organic or what are your farming practices? Mm. Some of them will give you like, have kind of a, a pause or a weird answer or whatever. Good sign that like maybe you should move on, yeah. right? Most of them will be like, you know, oh, we're not organic, but we don't use any pesticides. We don't use any antibiotics. We don't use any hormones. Like this is the way that we grow our tomatoes, mm. or this is the way we raise our chickens or whatever it is, most of them will be transparent with you. And if they're not being transparent, definitely don't buy from them. But it, that is a real thing. Like these certifications are not cheap. Sometimes based on somebody's land where they are, like they're not always possible. They got to jump through a lot of hoops. So they don't all get it. Like these people at farmer's market, they're small family operations. So really, I really encourage you to like talk to them a little bit and and hear their story and then decide if you're into it or not. I think that's so important and it's so helpful. And I think those are like really specific things that I could like and anyone could take to the farmer's market to ask them and then to feel like then you have that information yourself. Yeah. And I'll tell you another one, too, is like I tend to really look at obviously what they're selling. Sometimes you see some of these stalls at the farmer's market and you're like, this This all looks like it came from the grocery store, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The carrots are orange. The 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 lettuce is romaine. The, yeah. You know, it's very standard, yeah. right? Versus you should be seeing at the farmer's market. They should be growing all kinds of heirloom breeds, right? So the, the heirloom varieties. Oh, the carrots are four different colors. Yeah. There's, you know, 12 different kinds of lettuce. Yeah. That means this person is like actually farming is, is really you know, it, it, it's real, right? Yeah. So I tend to look for those farms that have variety, that have things you might not normally see and that you definitely can't find at the grocery store. I love that. I think that that's really, 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 really important. I also feel like in my practice a ton, I've been talking to people about this idea of dinner not happening to you. Obviously, we all get into a situation where we have like no time and we got to scrounge together and that's real life. Yeah. But it's this idea of kind of like it's 3.30 p.m. What's for dinner? Like setting totally. an alarm on your phone. So I guess I was wondering for you, because you're so good at that, that like you are a real person with a real job. Shauna is a real person with a real job. You guys get dinner on the table for your kids every night. Yeah. So- Tell me, like, obviously there's Pasture Project and that's incredible. How are you kind of thinking about what's for dinner? How long is it taking you? What's realistic? And I know with that as maybe like another topic that you and I have talked about this meal prep idea. And I want your specific thoughts because I think that it's a hot take. Yeah, for sure. So first of all, I mean, I, I got to give credit to Shauna because she's actually she's become like the main she's cook in the family. We I, love I you. try, Yeah, like I try to do it as much as I can, but my work schedule makes it a little bit difficult. And she like she learned a lot of stuff from watching me yeah. and, you know, <laughs> she looks up recipes yeah. and whatever. And it would just she's she's incredible and she's a really good cook. And she does, like, sometimes it's it's sort of like, okay, what are we going to do? Let's throw something together. Pasture Project has helped her out a huge amount. She, she's such a believer in it. She's like, I literally, I pulled this out of the freezer. I threw it in some water to kind of defrost it a little bit. Ready to go. Like, put some veggies. Here's some chicken. Made a little bit of rice. 
dinner's good, we're ready to go, right? It, yeah. it, it makes it that easy, which yeah. is really nice. And there's other times where, you know, a Shabbat dinner and she's like, okay, I got it all planned out. I'm going into it. I made yeah. 10 different things and it, it, it's beautiful, right? So I think it it depends on the day, what's going on. And of course, there's times when we order in too, right? Yeah. I think that, look, as far as this meal prep thing yeah. goes, I think it's bullshit, okay? <laughs> like meal prep is creating more anxiety for whoever cooks at home than anything else, okay? It's the the whole idea of it, I think, was a good place of, oh, let's plan this out a little bit so it's less work, but it's actually so much more work. Mm -hmm. And so first, now you got to research all of your recipes and create your menus and you got to buy everything and then you have to kit everything and cook it all. And then at the end of the day, what happens is like you did it all on Monday, Thursday or Friday rolls around and now you're eating four and five day old food. Like that's not really great either. Right. So I just, I'm not about the anxiety of meal prepping. If it works for you. Great. I I'd rather like, I'm more about the shortcuts, the hacks, the yeah. things that you can have that three thirty, four o'clock. Yes. Like I got to figure out dinner. And instead of panicking, you're like, yeah, this is not that big of a deal, right? So the the first thing that I tend to do is when I'm cooking, that's when I actually want to harness some of my prep, right? By yeah. doing more. So for example, the other the other night I was making schnitzel. And, you know, schnitzel is a bit of a process, right? You got to like pound out the chicken a little bit. You got to bread it. Then you're either frying it, baking it if you want to be a little healthier, whatever. And I made like an extra pound that I pounded breaded, then put in a Ziploc and put in the freezer so that at mm. a later date when we're having that, you know, oh shit conversation, what yeah. are we making for dinner? Oh, we can pull the schnitzel out. All I got to do is cook this right now and it's going to be ready to go. I love that. Right? And, I, and I tend to do that with things like that and, and things like sauces or, or dressings too. If you're making tomato sauce, pesto, salad dressing, whatever it is, make a bigger batch and be able to store it. Like we're, we're, we're big on Mason jars in my house. If you open my yeah. fridge, there's always like a bunch of Mason jars of stuff going. That's great. Great stuff to have. Right. And yeah. being able to just like, Oh, I can just pull this salad yeah. dressing right now. It's already done because that sometimes is the hardest part of making a salad. Right. Okay. I got to do the dressing and whip it all together and mix it and everything. Right. So that it, it's using by the way, big believer in freezers, okay? I think that a lot of us got taught of like, oh, the freezer's just for ice cream or it's not good. Freezers are great, okay? I like love that. We, we, we pasture project is something that's meant to be in your freezer mm. and pull out if you use it properly with your freezer and you're rotating your supply. Like, don't leave things in there for a year and a half, yeah. right? But put them in, a couple weeks later, pull them out and, and you have that stuff ready to go. Another thing that I think is great is having your trusted brands and your go-tos that have done some of the work for you, right? Yeah. So if you don't, if you're not the kind to make your own tomato sauce, right? Yeah. Like that seems like too too much work. Find that brand that you're into of tomato sauce. Be a label reader. Be be somebody who checks into it. Like do the work there and, and decide like, oh, this, like there's brands out there now of tomato sauce. I'm like, this is made exactly how I would make it. Mm. There's tomato, garlic, olive oil, basil. Those are the ingredients. What do right? you? Are there any that you love that you think are? Yeah, I I really I mean, look, a, a go to 
for years has been Rayo's. I think Rayo's has fantastic tomato sauce. Standard. There's a couple of new ones out there right now. This one from what is it called? The the it's the like daughter of the Demore's family. I, Pizza Girl. Pizza Girl. Yeah, it's so good. Pizza Girl is I really love, good. Thank you so much for validating that. I yeah. love Pizza Girl. Yeah, Pizza yeah. Girl's great. Pizza Girl's amazing. And like same thing. You look at the ingredients. You're like, okay, there's no, four no, no, ingredients no. in here. Like this is how you make tomato sauce. There's Pizza no Girl's weird shit. amazing. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. So she's doing a nice job. There's another one called like Pappy or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah I've um, seen that. That I think is really good. So they're out there. So, so anyhow, like, any, by the way, even I go to these sometimes. Yeah. Right? Like, I love making my own tomato sauce. But there's times like, hey, I don't have time. Grab that jar of Rayos and, and be able to do my thing with it. That's that's important. Yeah. So it's it's this mix of prepping some of this stuff your, yourself and over prepping and storing it. And then these kind of trusted brands that you have, I think that that is way more effective than making yourself nuts with the meal prep stuff. And it doesn't mean you can't still plan out a meal, even two meals. If you're that type of like, hey, I need to know this a little bit ahead of time, fine. But have your, when you have like some of your proteins in the freezer ready to go, and all you have to do is be able to pull them out, cook them. And, you know, add on a veg, add on a a starch or a grain. It just, it makes it a lot easier. Honestly, it seems so simplistic, but like just hearing you say like the freezer is your friend, because you do think of the freezer as like a TV dinner or something like that. Yeah, people do, I think, get in the weeds and prepping the things in the fridge. And then I don't want to eat like four day old chicken, but to have it prepped, you know, like do some prep, more prep ahead of time and then have that in the freezer and pop that in. This is going to sound so ridiculous, but I know people are going to wonder, and I'm definitely wondering, defrosting something like that, like, or can we pop that? Like, do, how do, how are we defrost? Like, (laughs) I mean, there's a whole world of defrosting, right? And, and multiple methods, whatever, all this kind of stuff. Okay. And sometimes you're going to see these things out there on defrosting where like, oh, if you're defrosting a steak, let's say, right? Okay. Like you need to defrost it slowly over two days in your oh, fridge yeah, yeah. or whatever. And you're like, yeah, dude, like I didn't plan two days yeah. ahead of time, right? Because there's going to be ice crystals and it's going to like destroy the yeah. meat, whatever. Look, all that is technically correct, okay? Yeah. That being said, is there times in my life when I've figured out how to defrost a like rock solid steak in half an hour because Ooh. I need to have it ready? Yeah, there is. And you know what? The steak was still delicious. Great, okay. Great. So we need to know that. Yeah. Like it's it's when you have the time, when you've taken the the prep, the best way to defrost is take something out of the freezer, put it into your fridge, let it slowly defrost over time. Okay. Yeah. That might take a day. It might take two days, depends what it is, right? That's generally the best thing, but you gotta plan ahead for that. Okay. One of the things like like with Pasture Project Chicken, for example, I tell people like, hey, if you're in a pinch and you gotta like move this along the the so the chicken is in like a vacuum sealed package so take the whole thing put it in a bowl put it cold water over it let it sit in that water and that will help to temper it a lot faster and defrost it quicker but i'll also tell you like last week there was last week or two weeks ago i used the microwave for something we literally had like i don't know an hour yeah i had a a block of like some sort of meat. I was like, I got to get this defrosted. I'm going to make some meatballs. I use the defrost setting on my microwave. Not my favorite thing because it's a little tricky to figure out. Sometimes you get that thing going where like the edges start to get a little cooked and it's sort of gross, but it worked, made it happen. Like, yeah, you got to do what you You got to do. Right. So, (laughs) but, but I do think the water trick is, is generally a really good one. 
you know, technically I shouldn't say it this way also because you got to be careful around this one. But if you're really in a pinch, instead of the cold water, you switch over to some hot, hot yeah. water. <laughs> That'll make it go faster. And because that thing is like, is is cold, like it's going to bring the temperature of the water down. But just be careful with this one because you don't want to actually start cooking right. what you have. So, okay, this is really helpful. And again, it probably to you seems like so Captain Obvious, but I know it's not to everyone else and it's certainly not to me. So just so I understand, you put it under the cold water. Yep. That works. In a real pinch, like obviously you got to be careful and there is a danger zone and whatever and like do your research, but you could do hot. Now, here's my question. I and love it, that you know about the danger zone. The danger zone, zone. Yeah. I mean, like I went to grad school. <laughs> so the thing about it is, again, with this idea of it's 3 p.m. or it's 3.30 or it's 4 p.m. What's for dinner? With my practice, I'm like, okay, you guys, it's 3.30 p.m. What's for dinner? That means... Do you have something at home that you could prep? Do you need to go pick something up? Do you need to order something? So maybe that is a good time to then defrost. Is there something in your freezer that then you could pop out? Yeah. So look, I, I think part of this is, you know, having a well-stocked pantry, a well-stocked freezer, like that's important in this too. What you don't want to get stuck in is, hey, it's 3.34 o'clock. I got nothing right. here. Now I got to go out to the store, start buying. Everybody's buying at that time. So you're stuck in like- yeah the Whole Foods parking nightmare and the checkout and the whole thing, like that's the worst, right? Yeah. So start from a place of having a well-stocked fridge and pantry already going on, right? I, I think so that you can pull from things that are there, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and, and put them together. So again, <laughs> like yeah. not to get in the weeds on this. So say I have a frozen pasture project okay. in my freezer. Yep. And I want to make that tonight. Yep. When am I pulling that out? Okay, so so best thing is, first of all, depends if you're doing the breast or the spatchcock. The I mean, breast, spatchcock. Okay, so spatchcock will take longer, longer to yeah. defrost. It's a whole chicken. Yeah. Best thing is in that morning, take it out of your freezer. If, if you're going to be home, yeah. leave it out on your counter okay. for like three to four hours. Okay. It'll defrost on the counter, okay. right? And then you're ready to cook it when you're ready to cook Great. it. If you need to move it into the fridge at some Great. point, you can, right? If you're not going to be home, you know, you can put it in your fridge. Right. And then when you come home later on, do that water in the bowl trick. Okay. Um, and finish defrosting it that way. Honestly, just having that piece of information, because I agree with you on the meal prep, but I'm very much into meal assembly, which it sounds like you are too, which is like, you should have some things that you could throw together to make a non-sad yep. meal. 100%. Um, to me, I think anyone who's really busy or anyone who has like ADHD or anyone who struggles with procrastination, this idea of the daunting task of that needs to be broken down into like, my cutting boards are dirty right now because I just made breakfast for my kids. Right. What could I chop right now? What could I roast right now? What could I steam right now? What could I do literally one tiny step of that to make my life easier? So now you actually really did change something in my mind that, okay, now it's the morning. I know I'm going to do this. Like I need to either put this frozen thing in the fridge or I need to put it on the countertop. Like it, it seems again, so simplistic, but especially for like any busy person, like got it. Because then you don't get into a situation where you're having to microwave it. Yeah, I think, and, and one of the things, like, if you, you know, hear what I keep concentrating on is taking the protein guesswork out of the game, yes. right? Because that's sort of your your hardest thing, right? Yeah. It takes a little bit of thinking about a little bit of planning, especially if you're, like, what if you're going to do a braise? And that takes some time, yeah. right? So, because, like, vegetables, grain, starch, whatever, pasta, like, little bit quicker, a little bit easy to easier to throw together, especially when we're talking about kids, right? Like, yeah. you know, sometimes 
you know, the, the, the vegetable category is as simple as like, Hey, I'm taking this raw stuff, right? Carrots, cucumbers, heirloom, tomato, whatever, cutting it up, slicing it up, putting some sea salt, putting some olive oil. We're good to go. Like yeah. my, my kids love that. And they're getting the full nutrition of that, that raw fruit and vegetable, totally. right? Which is fantastic. The protein, like focus on taking that guesswork out of the protein on the earlier part in the day. Right. I, I know a lot of people are into like these slow cooker situations now. You know, not my most favorite yeah. thing, but I, I really like pressure cookers. The slow cooker thing is a different What's the difference? Slow cookers are like, like this a- this pot is on a very low setting okay. for all day, right? Like so people like it because they're like, hey, I can cut up Obviously. a bunch of shit, throw it in here, yeah. set it and forget it, right? Yeah. But and it, it'll literally cook for, I don't know, eight hours, 10 hours, whatever, yeah. like too much. Yeah. Right? Like it uh-huh. just, it just cooks for too long. What if you're right? making, yeah, okay, okay. So a lot of times like you end up with this, just like, I don't know, this like flavor, flavorless mush sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not into, I don't really think anybody yeah. else, right? Pressure cookers, completely different thing, right? The, the pot is actually under pressure and it raises the, the temperature. Like you can go past the boiling point, right? Like an so, instant pot? Instapot goes both ways. It can do slow cooker and oh. it can be pressure cooker. And what pressure cooking does, it actually it, it cooks these things in way in a way shorter period of time, but gets those desired results of whether it's a braise, a soup, whatever, it got everything out of it. Like I love making bone broth in a pressure cooker. I make all my soups in a pressure cooker. It intensifies the flavor. You get great extraction and it's in a much shorter period of time. So pressure cookers are actually great hack too. Like I'm chicken soup's a big thing in my family. Yeah. I like I, is in most Jewish families, yeah. right? You can make chicken soup in a pressure cooker in basically an hour. Yeah. Versus the traditional way of like you're into it for at least four hours. I love that. Is there one that you like? Yeah. I mean, I we literally use one in my house that I bought on Amazon for I don't know, 40 bucks. I love and, that. Yeah. And the best part, yeah, like when it when it breaks and it falls apart, get like, oh, yeah, get okay, one for 40 bucks. Instapot is great. They're just expensive. And yeah. it's got buttons and lights and things. Yeah. I'm like, I, I just don't need this shit. You guys, um, I'm gonna make Micah send me that link and I'll put it in that. Yeah, description. for sure. <laughs> I think that's really helpful to know because I think that listen, we're in such like a consumption, consumption, consumption thing, and it's like all the links and the things and the whatever. But I think that for someone like you who's like literally doing this at home, I want to know what you're doing. And I think there's also this thing of like we're marketed everything online and we feel like everyone's getting paid to recommend everything. Totally. So like to hear you be like, this is what I have as a dream. No, I'm I'm like huge, huge pressure cooker okay. guy. By the way, soups is another big thing and great thing for the mm. anti-meal prep yes. use your freezer situation because it tends to be like, look, when you make soup, you almost always make much more than you need yeah. for that meal. And then I'll take what's left over and I'll split it into like three different Ziploc bags so that you can and, and put them in the freezer and then you can pull those out whenever you need a soup and they're ready to go. And it just kind of like slips out. Yeah. So it's just so. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm like asking really technical. Okay, well, no, but there's there's a trick to this, right? So when, okay. you, when you put it in the Ziploc, okay, okay. then you want to put it on basically like a flat part of your freezer where the Ziploc lies flat so okay. that the whole thing freezes like a sheet, essentially, like a, yeah. like a brick, right? 
I'm doing this thing with yeah. my hands. Yeah. But obviously, nobody yeah. can see it. So as opposed to just putting it in and with the bag standing up so that it's this weird shape at the bottom of the bag. Right. It'll save you freezer space, but also, yes, easier to, to get out of the bag when you need to. And then when I need to get it out, I'll literally take a scissors and like cut around the edges of it and pull the pull the the zap the Ziploc plastic right off. Okay, great. So I mean, listen, I think this is helpful. I think some people would do it. A lot of people here are like, ooh, plastic. Right. So can I do like a silicone ice? Yeah, you know, what are those bags called? We have to stash oh, stasher bags. Okay, great. Stash. I use stasher okay, bags great. for it for sure. Okay, great. Oh, like you want to do like the the ice cube thing? Because then you can kind of like doop, 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 doop. Yeah. I mean, my only thing about that for a soup is like. You're going to have a lot Chunk. of ice cube trays. I no, I, like. I, I mean? stasher bag is a hot take. But, but stasher bag, bag for sure. Stasher yeah. bag for soup. I love that. Yeah. yeah. You can also, I mean, if you want, it takes up space, but if you want to put it in uh, one of those, uh, the containers that have like the, like we have the glass ones that are like storage containers. You oh, can put yeah, it in yeah. one of those and stick No, those I like stasher bag. Yeah. Because those slip out, which I really appreciate. Exactly. There's something also very satisfying about that. About yeah, me, yeah, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> Micah, I think you are such a star. Oh, thank you. It was so fun talking to you like this. And I just feel like this was so important. And like, you're such a wealth of knowledge. And I think literally everyone go check this out. Where can we find you? Where can we find Pasture Project online and on Instagram? Yeah, so so Pasture Project, you can buy direct on our website. It's pastureproject.com. Sign up there for our emails and you get 15% off your mm. first order, which is always great. Yeah. Um, so try it out and drop us a line and let us know what you think. We're also, we just started carrying it in some local retail. So major. we have it at Farm Shop and at Juice to Grocer. It's major. Uh, yeah. And some more to come. So yeah. And what about on Instagram? We're on Instagram at Pasture Project. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Micah L. Wexler. Go, go, go follow Micah. Yeah. Like he does, he's not super consistent, but when he does, I'm it, definitely he's not, not super, super consistent. consistent. He's not super consistent, but I, here's what I'm going to say. Because I've sent a lot of people over to you. Yeah. Like you're not consistent, but when you do, you'll do like a 20 frame right. step-by-step thing. I get, so it, like, I get into it. Yeah, he'll like stick around because it's coming. That's like we so don't good. know when, but when it, when right. it does, I really, I really got to get hit with it. Yeah, and there's a little swag and it's fun and it's good. So I highly recommend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for listening to Good Instincts. Hosted and written by me, Shira Barlow. You can find me on Instagram at Shira underscore RD. Good Instincts is a Dear Media Daily Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.